The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, February 16th. That means this is your 5x5 episode. Five writers from NBC Sports Edge for five minutes each. We will look at the latest on a couple players who changed destinations and may have gained quite a bit of value at the trade deadline, plus some NBA betting trends and favorable fantasy playoff schedules. All that and more coming up in the next 30 minutes or so as we welcome in Ryan Knaus. Ryan, where do you want to begin things today? How do you want to set the tone for this episode? Oh, well, I would like to set the tone with we're heading into the all-star break. It's time for rest and right. reflection. We can all take a moment to breathe mm-hmm. and think about what's to come. So specifically, we're talking about each team's schedules down the down the stretch. Now, to make things a little yeah. bit extra complicated, we are technically in week 18 for the NBA schedule, but for fantasy schedules, we're going to be in week 18 for another week still because they Yahoo and ESPN, the two biggest providers combine weeks 18 and 19 into week 18 for fantasy. So just to get that confusion out of the way. So we're currently in that. Yes, Matt. So let's say you're looking at a schedule grid on a website, maybe you're looking on NBC Sports Edge, right? When you look at going forward after this, does everything line up properly? Or when you're looking at, you know what I mean? How do you adjust for this? You have to make sure. So technically, I I think our own and season tools schedule grid goes by the NBA schedule. So week 19 is still part of week 18 in your fantasy league. So you have to do some mental adjustment, which is part of the reason I'm bringing this up now. I'm not smart enough to do that. I know. That's what I'm saying. The beginning of All-Star break. After the All-Star break, you're just know that you're in week 19 even though your fantasy league schedule says you're in week 18. correct okay got it i'm already confused it's a two so weeks 18 19 on the on the official schedule grid and nba are still week 18 okay in fantasy but if you're looking at a schedule grid you'll figure it out because the dates are always right Useful. there so just look at dates matt if, if or if any listeners are confused but when you do look at dates you'll realize that toronto for instance has five games in what is for fantasy managers week 19, right? So it's week 20 of the official NBA schedule, week 19 for Yahoo and ESPN leagues. So five games in week 19 is a huge advantage. That's either the start of your fantasy playoffs or it's right before it. So if you're maybe you're looking for one final push to make the fantasy playoffs, or you just want to ensure that you're going to win week one of your fantasy playoffs, this is the time to start looking ahead to think, you know, which Raptors might I be able to pry away from another team, or if your trade deadline has already passed, which potential pickups are out there. Now, it's ironic that Toronto is the team with a five-game week here, because to me, it's really hard to exploit that advantage through just the waiver wire, because they're so tight with minutes to those starters, as we've talked about before on the pod. Young Tibbs, as we call Nick Nurse, thanks to Raph. That's right, as Raph, Raph coined that. <laughs> So if you've got Pascal Siakam, say, or Fred Van Vliet or OG, then young Tibbs is probably going to play him into the ground right. and play him in back-to-backs, five games and seven nights. Who cares? 
it seems to be that mentality in Toronto. So that's great news. However, if you're trying to get a waiver wire pickup, I'm not sure who's out there. I'll throw Thaddeus Young okay. in the mix. Uh, we've only seen him in one game. He didn't play a ton and that it was a lopsided score. But I think he's there for a reason. We haven't heard any talk of a buyout, which leads you to believe that he's going to play a real role for this team. And five games, of course, gives you pretty good margin for error. So even if he's not doing much per game, you know, you've got multiple instances for him to mess around with. Yeah. So hopefully by the time that rolls around, you're kind of banking on Thaddeus Young maybe having crept into like the 20 to 25 minute range. But it's all it would take. You raise a good point, though. It is tough. I mean, Toronto's a tough team to take advantage of. Um, and by the way, Ryan, I was looking at the schedule. <laughs> now, confusion reigns here. So this is week 20 that we're talking about on the actual NBA schedule where Toronto has five games. You got it. I think a lot of us have our playoffs. You know, there may be a one-week fluctuation, but a lot of us have our playoffs in that kind of 20 to 22 range, 21 to 23, mm -hmm. right around there, usually cutting it off a couple weeks before the regular season ends because, as we know, things just devolve into chaos but there's only one team in that range who has four 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 and that's utah so everyone else has max two four game mm. weeks in that kind of prime window so those four game weeks are really at a premium i guess is my point yeah they certainly are and then you've got teams like the trailblazers who are one of four teams that finish the season really well they go four 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 in the final three weeks but as you said, a lot of leagues, head-to-head uh, -head fantasy leagues, cut off before that to avoid silly season. Right. So if you, you know, even though it looks good when you first look at that schedule grid, it may not matter. And if you look at a team like Portland in the weeks prior to that, right in the midst of fantasy playoffs or almost all head-to-head -head leagues, they go two, two, three. Ouch. So that means two games in week 19, two, uh, three games in week 20 in your fantasy leagues. So... That's, you know, that could be the difference between advancing and not. So to me, get in there, know exactly when your fantasy playoffs are, know exactly, you know, compare your fantasy playoffs to a schedule grid of your choosing. I recommend NBC Sports Edge. Uh, we have one in season tools and maximize games played. There's nothing correlates to fantasy value more than players being on the court, games played, minutes, usage. So if a player is getting double the number of games as someone else. They don't need to be a better player. They just need to be on the court twice as much. My point being, it's time to go in, take the time to fine tune your rosters, maybe float some favorable trade offers. And these games played are something that's not as obvious, Matt, as when you make a trade offer and people just look at rankings. So maybe you could pull off something sneaky mm -hmm. by trading away a player who's going to give you five games total during your fantasy playoff uh, main thrust for a player who might give you seven or eight. Okay, well, on that note, uh, we have blown past the alarm clock, so our time is up. Ryan, uh, thanks for uh, stopping by. I'll talk to you soon. I'll see you in week 20, Matt, or is it week 19? I don't I know. <laughs> I do not know what year or day it is. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Raphael Johnson, hello, sir. Hey, I'm doing well. Are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Where do you want to begin our uh, five minutes here? I think we're going to start on a positive note, and that would okay. be one right. Seth Curry of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, yes. He made his debut the other night, 23.7 boards, five assists, three three-pointers. Looked good. Um, obviously, with the rotation being what it is, no Kyrie Irving for home games and a few road mm -hmm. games as well, Kevin Durant still being injured, and Patty Mills in a bit of a shooting slump right now. Curry's in a prime spot as, as far as fantasy value is concerned. So 73% of Yahoo managers who have him rostered are, are definitely loving life right now. With Kyrie on track, he, unless they change the mandate in New York City, he could miss 
up to 17 more games before the end of the regular Crazy. season here. Yeah. The mandate, which includes road games against the Knicks, and then you've got Toronto's mandate as well. Toronto, right. He could be out for a good stretch of time here. This could be a prime sell high time for Seth Curry. I know given the production in this spot within the rotation, managers may be inclined to hold on to him, but mm-hmm. I don't think it would be a bad idea to put some feelers out there and see what you can get for him because the schedule sets up pretty well for him. Yeah, and to your point, I think you mentioned Kyrie missing 17 games potentially, and that means playing, if I'm reading the schedule right, only eight games. Do I ha- does that does that match up with what you thought, Raf? Yes. Because two games against the Knicks, one in Toronto, assuming he can't play in those, eight games left in the regular season for Kyrie Irving. So in fantasy, you just have to realize you are not getting much from him the rest of the way. And I mean, just look, the, the Nets won, finally got one the other night. I mean, that's a Seth Curry show right now with no Durant, Harden gone, Simmons not ready to play. Uh, when Kyrie's out, I mean, Seth Curry is the number one option on this team right now. So I think any trade offer you make to send away Seth just has to keep in mind, like we're going to see pretty good usage here for a minute. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That's something you definitely mentioned when you send that offer out because some people may look at you like you're crazy when you make those requests for Seth Curry. But I don't know that Kyrie may miss a lot of time. We still don't know exactly when Kevin's going to be back. Don't know when Ben Simmons is going to be playing. So it might be a good opportunity to get some value for for Seth here. So when you send that Seth Curry for LaMelo ball offer, just include all of that information. (laughs) Just keep in mind. Hold on. Before Mm -hmm. you shoot this down, just keep in mind. All right. I think there's another player. Do we close the book on Seth? We have closed the book on Seth. Okay. Now it would be a bit negative, I guess you would say. And that Uh-oh. player okay. would be Brandon Ingram. Before the trade that they made when they acquired C.J. McCollum from Portland, mm-hmm. he was averaging 22.9 points, 5.8 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 0.7 steals, 0.5 blocks, 1.63 pointers per game. And his usage was at a 30.0. Since the trade, four games, that 16.3 points, five rebounds, 3.8 assists, 0.3 steals, 0.8 blocks, 0.83 pointers, and the usage is down to 24.8. Now, we've seen McCollum definitely get his shots up and get his points, but I don't, I don't know if this is a question where we should be concerned, where they're going to need time to establish that chemistry, and that's all it is, or if there's a greater need for concern here with Ingram. You're obviously not going to drop him. That would be foolish, but kind of wondering – at what point should managers start to think about potential trade value for him in light of the usage decrease? Yeah, and one of those games was a 30-point win where he only shot seven times. Yeah. But did almost have a triple-double. But, I mean, yeah, to your point, it's suddenly no longer clear. Is Ingram even the number one option right now? And McCollum has kind of come in and, and gone full alpha there in New Orleans right away. It would help if their starting point guard was playing well. Like, Devontae Graham has been pretty bad all season, so that's left a lot of room for McCollum to come in and just grab things and say that this is my show, I'm going to run it. Mm -hmm. So that may also be a factor there with Ingram. Yeah, maybe, and we have about 30 seconds left, maybe there's a way to kind of spin this as, well, look at what Ingram has done since he came back, because he actually has overall, if you look at the game since he returned, around 21.6 points, four boards, 5.6 times, 0.8 steals, 1.3 blocks, 1.03s. Maybe you can sell those stats as opposed to the ones since McCollum got there. That might be your best shot. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I think I'd wait. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Okay, well, we've done it. Raph, I may... I may see you later. We're not sure, but I might. Sounds good. Okay. All right, thanks. (laughs) We're bringing in from NBC Sports Edge betting, Corey Parson. Corey, welcome back, sir. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad I didn't draw the route for something where I have to wait till later. So I'm pretty happy about that. And you know, it's interesting. Kyrie Irving only going to be able to play in eight games in the second half of the season. That's amazing right there. Just the thought of that is like mind-blowing to me. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, the the Nets schedule is is very home game heavy. And then you take out those two Knicks games and we assume one in Toronto. And uh, there you have it. But yeah, eight is a really small number. But I think we're here to talk and we will talk Nets, I think, in a minute. We're here to talk some first half big picture betting trends. I think we're going to start uh, with the most profitable teams in the league so far. Yeah, the most profitable teams in the NBA so far um, this season as we head towards the break have been, for sports betting purposes, have been the Memphis mm-hmm. Grizzlies, Oklahoma City Thunder, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, with the situation with the Grizzlies and the Cavaliers, you have teams that right. come in that were undervalued before the season started. So those point spreads kind of were, you know, were not set right for them. And then when all of a sudden, when you see that the teams were good, they started making them favorites. Well, both of these teams started covering as favorites as well, trying to deal legit uh, contenders in their respective conferences this year. The Grizzlies, as a matter of fact, 40 ATS wins so far on the season. No other team had wow. that. They have been an ATS darling. If you've been betting them every game, you're, you're doing pretty well uh, this NBA betting season. And with the Grizzlies, you had them get off to the underdogs that were covering, right? And then Ja misses some time. And, mm-hmm. they, <laughs> and they keep winning. And then Ja comes back, and they get even better. So I'm um, looking at a very dominant team. Wouldn't be interesting to see how far they can take it. Same thing goes with the Cavs. Now, with the Thunder, it's different because they're always undervalued because you never really know uh, which Thunder team is going to show up. It could be a night where they go, they they, they, they play tough and scrappy and, and gritty and they cover spreads. Or it can be like, okay, we're not showing up tonight. So you never really know which Thunder team you're going to get. I don't wager on them a lot because when I know a team is in take mode, like when does the day yeah. start? You know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm always scared they're about to start taking – so I haven't made any money on them yet, but they've been a very profitable team in the back. Yeah, that is the one. When you sent me those three teams, that that's certainly the one that stands out and seems like the riskiest of those three, as you said. So let's hit now the biggest losers from a betting standpoint. Yeah, um, you probably can guess a couple of these ones, too. Let's yeah. start with the Washington Wizards, who, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the Washington Wizards were the number one team in the Eastern Conference two weeks into the season. Boy, that was really short-lived. <laughs> Washington has been terrible against the spread this year. Almost 60, over 60% of their games cash in the direction opposite of the Wizards. Only 21 ATS wins on the season. You look at the streak that they're on right now, they only have one ATS win, well, two ATS wins in their last 10 games. Um, So they've been terrible. The Rockets started off the season 1-16. So that really helped bring that number down. We've seen some patches of decent play out of the Rockets this year. I think this is a team that, you know, we know they're, they're in rebuilding. There's going to be some tanking. But you see some young talent starting to come together. But still nobody you want to bet on. But the Brooklyn Nets have been a dreadful, yeah. dreadful against the spread team this year. 60% of the time, the team playing against the Nets cash. On the money line, they're not bad, 30 and 27 uh, so far this season. But you would expect better. But 22 32 and three 
against the spread wow. this year. That is a overvalued team right there. And they're terrible at home as well because they really don't have no home fans because that's a Nick town and not a net town. And do we see any adjustment there like during their long losing streak or not so much? I mean, are they still even overvalued now, would you say? Well, well here's the thing is you, you, they're coming in more and more. So they have been underdogs basically for the last, you know, for the last two weeks, starting in late January all the way up until the, the middle of February where we're at right now. They have been underdogs. And even as underdogs, they're still they only have three wins against the spread in their last 10 games. So you really cannot uh, wager on the Brooklyn Nets probably until they get their full team back with uh, with, the, with Durant and uh, Kyrie whenever he plays. And um right. and Ben Simmons, who people all of a sudden seem to think is going to be the difference maker. I doubt that happens. Yeah. Well, we got about 30 seconds left. I think you had a couple notes on uh, overs and unders, best teams to the overs and unders. Uh, the best, the most over team so far this season has been the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, 36 and 22 to the over. That's over 60%. That pace, the development of their offensive players like Anthony Edwards, uh, D'Angelo Russell being healthy is a big help with that. And then when you go to the unders, 37, 19, and 2, 56% to the under, the Dallas Mavericks. That is the coaching of Jason Kidd. He made that an issue. Defense, they're the second best defensive team in the league, and that's why you're seeing that from the Mavericks. Crazy. The, the Mavs have been playing some incredible defense. They, I was looking, they've held five of their last six opponents under 100 points and that includes the Sixers, Hawks and Heat. So, yep. That is uh that that seems to be for real. Well, Corey, always great to have you on. You can follow him on Twitter at the Fantasy Exec. I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Good stuff. All right, see you man. We have two more writers and a bunch of topics still to hit. First, we're going to take a quick break. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you an NBA midseason offer. Get 20% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout February when you use promo code STU20. Finish your fantasy regular season strong at one low price, go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. Use promo code STU20 at checkout to save today. Also, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Wednesday's free NBA Pick and Roll Contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Pistons and Celtics, Kings and Bulls and Spurs and Thunder. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now. Now we are going to welcome in Aaron Robinson to the show. Aaron? Good to see you. Good to see you as well. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm good. I, I know one of the players you want to talk about today is something I mentioned at the top, a guy who changed addresses at the trade deadline and has really started to take off, and that would be Buddy Heald. So give me your thoughts. Yes, uh, Buddy Heald last night had his best game of the season. Um, certainly his best game as a Pacer last night, 36 points, uh, 14 for 20 shooting from the floor. <sighs> Made eight triples, had four assists, two rebounds, of and one steal for the Pacers last night. And you know he, he he's you know been a lot better since he's you know gotten out of Sacramento, man. Even you know the games where he hasn't scored it well, he had, he's been rebounding it better, and and um you know been getting, been getting some dimes. And obviously, yeah. Uh, in the three games there since he's been traded, he's averaging twenty one point seven points, six point three rebounds, four point three assists, uh, four point three triples per game. So you know he's somebody that's really really taking advantage of this new scenery. Um, in, in Indiana, and obviously, Malcolm Brogdon has been out of the lineup. Um, Rick Carlisle keeps saying that he's close, you know, to coming back, yeah. but no, no word <laughs> officially on on when he's getting back. So, you know, until then, it's it's going to be his show and Tyrese Halliburton's show, kind of there um, in the backcourt. So, you know, I'm I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Heald, and the change of scenery seems to have really, you know, uh, done him well. Yeah, and and Heald in a second, but as for Brogdon, I may be I may be thinking of this all wrong, Aaron, but. I'm just kind of, he's just kind of out of my mind as a factor down the stretch. I mean, sure, he may return, but doesn't it feel like he's going to return, aggravate something, and then get shut down? I mean, am I wrong in thinking of it that way? No, literally. I mean, because they, they've, they've dealt this all season. Like, he's he's been out, and then they've put him back, and he's gotten hurt, and then he's been out for another stretch of games. So it's like, yeah. at this point, they might as well shut him down. Like, I don't even know why they're putting him back out there at this point. Like, they're not, they're not in, con- in any type of contention, even for a playing spot. Like, they're... Eight and a half games back of the Wizards, who are in eleventh right now, so they're they're going nowhere fast, and they, they might as well just you know tank for Cheddar or, or something like that if they, if they want to get a get a nice draft spot there. But yeah, um, I, I'm definitely you know out on Brogdon at the moment right now. Yeah, and healed in those games with the Pacers, thirty nine minutes per game, um, and had really kind of become a points and threes guy only in Sacramento lately, like uh, the last year or so, but. It's great to see him showing that playmaking ability again because this is a guy who, in 2020-21, that season averaged 3.6 assists. So he actually is a guy who can kind of be a little more well-rounded when he gets the chance, and it looks like he's going to get that down the stretch. So exciting stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, the the, the first his, his first game, he had eight dimes, and he had nine yeah. assists. So, I mean, eight, excuse me, eight dimes and nine rebounds. So certainly a triple-double there. And then, obviously, the next game, he had eight rebounds. And last night, four, four assists with two boards. So... Doing a little bit of everything, man. So definitely positive to see there from from Buddy. Yeah, that near triple double from Buddy Heald was definitely a double take moment <laughs> in, his, in his first game. Uh, one more guy, I think, to hit in our remaining couple minutes. Uh, so uh, set it up for us. Yeah, one other guy, uh, Tyus Jones, had a huge night last night. Uh, career yes. high, twenty seven points on eleven and seventeen shooting, um, with three triples, nine assists, um, one rebound, and one steal. He only had two turnovers um, with those nine assists, so. You know, better than a four to one ratio there. Obviously, John Morant was out of the lineup there um, with, a, with a foot injury. No, no, there hasn't been any word on him for the night. Obviously, it's night two of a back to back. So, you know, maybe they, they were trying to kind of, you know, want to get him some rest there, but haven't had a word there yet. So, if, he, if he's out again tonight, you know, Tyus Jones is definitely somebody that, that is worth a look at as, as a streamer. Only rostered in 6% of, of um, fantasy leagues right now. Yeah. No, no long term value there, but from a DFS standpoint, if, if uh, John Morant's out again for tonight's game, Tyus Jones is somebody who, is certainly worth a swing at for the game tonight. Talk about an out of nowhere 27 points career high. I looked through his game log just the just the second 20 point game of his career. I just 
I've come to think when it's Tyus Jones time in Memphis, if Jaws out, I think about like 11 points, seven assists, a couple of steals and a three. 27 and nine is, is not typically on my radar there, Aaron. I mean, shoot, he's probably been hanging around with Ja, man. That, that Ja Morant influence is rubbing off on everybody over there in Memphis, man. So Ja was out, and I guess that MVP season candidacy, you know, has rubbed off on uh, on Tyus Jones over there in Memphis. So happy for him, man, and glad to see him taking advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, and uh, by the way, so coming through that game log, you know, it made me looking back. So I was like, oh, wow, Tyus Jones has been in the NBA since 2015. He came into the NBA a year before Buddy Heald. Tyus is 25, Buddy is 29. Buddy Heald is like the sneakiest, almost old guy in the NBA, I would say. No, literally him. It, it, shoot, even Duarte this year. Duarte is like 25 now. He's a rookie. Like he's older yeah. than some guys that have been in the league for like three, four years. So it's crazy, man. Yeah. Some of these guys that, that do like, because I, I know Duarte was a Juco guy and then he, he went to Oregon. And I know Buddy Heald was, he was in college forever. So a lot of these dudes, man, are going to be scraping 30 before we know it here. I, I, yeah, we're going to blink and Duarte is going to be like 31 <laughs> for sure. Uh, well, you mentioned no update, no concrete update as our timer is about to go off here. No concrete update on Morant as we record this. So check back on NBC Sports Edge to see if we get another game of Tyus Jones before the break. Aaron, thanks for stopping by. I'll talk to you soon. No problem. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. See you, man. Okay. The last individual standing is Jared Johnson. Jared, I think our new routine here is flying totally without any clue of what you are going to talk about. And I kind of think that's exciting. Like, what, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, let's go to Brooklyn. Uh, I want to talk about this kid, Cam Thomas. He has been on a six-game heater with uh, top 60 value over that stretch. Uh, behind averages of 21.7 points, 3.8 boards, three dimes, 1.8 triples, a steal, and 1.2 turnovers per game on 50% shooting from the floor and 82.9% at the stripe on uh, 4.7 attempts a night. It took him a while to get going for obvious reasons, but uh, it's tough to imagine a better place to kind of hone your offensive skills when you're able to practice with guys like Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving, and formerly James Harden. And he's just been locked in the past few weeks. And I thought his last game was particularly impressive because uh, through the first three quarters of that game, uh, he had missed all of his shots. And then in the fourth quarter, he went four of four. And he finished with a stat line of 14 points, five boards, three assists on four of eight shooting, six of six at the stripe. So while his shot wasn't working for him early, he was still able to get into a rhythm by getting easy buckets at the stripe. And uh, he just kept going from there. Now, we don't know when Kevin Durant is going to be back. And uh, as Raphael brought up, um, Kyrie is going to miss a ton of games moving forward. So I just think that there's ample opportunity for this kid, kind of regardless of, of what's going on. You know, Kyrie constantly moving games, even if Durant plays, uh, they still have a need for scoring in that second unit. And I think he's kind of coming into his own and showing the Nets what he can do for them. Any thoughts? Yeah, he's he's really well set up. I think we were all worried around the deadline. You know, when is his value going to go away? It felt a little temporary. But now when you look at Kyrie only has potentially eight games left. Right. You know, still no Durant, still no Simmons. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, Cam Thomas has a pretty nice opportunity. And another thing I like, you kind of alluded to this in that win over Sacramento where he got hot late, saved value. That's the second time he's done that recently because in that, I think, uh, lost to Boston mm-hmm. last week. They lost by 35. He had done nothing for a lot of that game. Ended up with 17 points, five rebounds, three assists, Incredible. and a steal 
in that game. So the other nice thing about Cam Thomas is in college, he was like a points guy. I mean, if you look at his college numbers, there was not a sign of assists. There was not a sign of rebounds. <laughs> and so he is starting to kind of be a guy who can get you a few rebounds and assists, more than just points and threes. So and steals. all in all, uh, nice opportunity and 34% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Right. Yeah. So I, I love him. I have him on pretty much all my teams. So yeah, he, I think he's great. I think that that roster ship uh, number should be higher. Let's move to Indiana. Uh, I want to okay. talk about this guy who hasn't got a lot of love, but has been playing incredibly well, minus his last game. O'Shea Brissett. Okay. He did struggle last time. Uh, he was just yeah. uh, two of eight from the floor, one of three from the line for six points, two rebounds, one assist, one three-pointer, one block, and a turnover over 27 minutes. Look, he had a tough time against a really tough Milwaukee defensive team. But before that, in his previous three games, he was coming into this one averaging uh, 18.3 points, 10 boards, 2.3 dimes, 2.3 triples, 0.7 steals, 1.3 blocks, 45.9% uh, from the floor, and 73.7% at the stripe on 63, uh, sorry, 6.3 uh, attempts. Now, he's not perfect. He's going to hurt you in the free throw shooting. But he does look to be locked into a starting role with the Pacers. And as we've seen, he's just oozing with potential. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm extremely skeptical that Miles Turner is going to come back in any meaningful way. But let's say he does. Uh, Brissett is getting 75% of his minutes at power forward. Uh, Turner, this is all according to uh, basketball reference. Uh, Turner is 100% at center, as is Goga and Isaiah Jackson. Um, spends only about 22% at power forward, and the rest of his minutes are at center. Uh, so I just think that Brissett was really a low-key deadline winner just by staying mm -hmm. put and um, DeMontis Sabonis leaving. Uh, also with this team kind of not seeming old, all that competitive, Indiana would have incentive to keep developing Brissett. And I just don't think he has too much competition uh, at his position. Yeah, and I mean, this is, as our timer goes off, second straight year, this guy is set up to be kind of a silly season all-star. Yeah. And even in that dud, uh, you like to see 27 minutes, you know? So, and the block. It, you know, it wasn't like a, I'd be more alarmed if it was like 15 minutes and right. six points, you know, but 27 minutes, okay, off games do happen. And uh, on that note, he's back for the last word. My man. Raph, the look on your face <laughs> indicated you weren't quite ready. Did I surprise you with that one? No, I'm, I'm good to go. But, you know, I think to Jared's point about the Pacers, another guy to look at is Jalen Smith. Um, for sure. He only played 17 minutes last night because they asked him to guard Giannis, and that went about as well as you would expect it to. He ended up fouling out. But he did have 11.7 rebounds and three assists. So... I think tonight's action against the Wizards, that's a more favorable matchup for both Smith and Brissett. So, yeah, you know, those are two guys to definitely take a look at right now. Definitely. Yeah, three triples in that in that game as well in the 17 minutes. In the previous game, 17 points, 12 rebounds, a three and a block. So yeah. I definitely like Jalen Smith, 28% rostered as well. Jared, quick thought there. I completely agree with that. I just kind of wanted to talk about Brissett because yeah. um, his, his roster ship's at 52, and mm -hmm. I just didn't want people to uh, freak out and cut him. Yeah. But Raphael brings up an excellent point with if, if Brissett is not available in your league, Jalen Smith is an excellent um, alternative option. Raph, you'll have to ask Steve tomorrow if he uh, freaked out and cut Brissett after that six-point game because he was <laughs> shouting Brissett from the rooftops on Monday. But we know how that quickly <laughs> things change yeah. for Dr. A. 
Uh, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review us as well. We are here the rest of the week and every weekday throughout the season. Thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live. And thank you to all of our writers, Ryan, Corey, Aaron, Raph, Jared. Thanks for sticking around, guys. I will talk to you soon. Thank you. Catch you later. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can give your lawn or garden beds a pop of color and protection. Right now, get a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10. Help your soil retain moisture longer with color that lasts up to 12 months. Shop Memorial Day savings for a special buy on Scott's Earth Grow Mulch, five bags for just $10 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.